0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and the Seahawks are in position to do something the Texans either couldn't or chose not to do last season. Jadevian Clowney is set to become a free agent after being traded from Houston earlier this season. So here to talk about it is Matt Weston of Battle Red Radio, the Houston Texans community on SB Nation. He joins the show today to talk about what led up to the trade and what Houston fans went through last season. Matt Appreciate you coming on because, you know, about this time last year, you were preparing to see what the Texans would do. And so I'm curious, how did you feel about the idea of and Clowney getting a long term contract with the Texans last year?
1: It was something that I wanted to have happen. And it was also something that we kind of sat around, wait for it to occur. And then it just never happened. And the thing about Clowney is he's one of like the most impactful football players in the league. But he's not box score good. He's not box score dominant, but he's football dominant. Yeah. And so you don't really, you can't really measure the impact he has in a game unless you watch him week to week. The only measure of success I've really seen that has been able to, been able to capture how great a player he is is ESPN's my pass block win rate. And that's really it. And, every, and also like double team rate and that sort of thing, because he's also one of the most double team players in football. But like, other than that, it's really hard to describe a guy who will take on three blocks at once and create a crater in the middle of the field <laughs> and then watch two guys w- run through and make tackles from there. So yeah, I mean, I spent probably, I guess, like if you go from February to August, probably like six months just kind of waiting for the Texans to extend them until they couldn't anymore and waiting for that whole ordeal to just like finally shut up and disappear. And it, of course, never went away and he was straight to Seattle.
0: Well, and I just think back to that defensive line that the that the Texans had where you had J.J. Watt, you had Jadeveon Clowney, you had Whitney Merciless, and those three guys, you know, it it allowed each one of them so many more opportunities, and it's probably a big reason why we saw Clowney get up to nine sacks with that defense. And, you know, outside of that, you know, either when Watt's hurt or now with the Seahawks where, you know, he was taking on all the double teams and only finishing with three sacks.
1: Yeah, it was that. And also, you know, Clowney was drafted the number one overall pick in 2014. And we waited, I guess, four years for Clowney and Watt to be on the same field and healthy at the same time. And it finally happened in 2018. And in 2018, they had one of the best run defenses of all time. They had a fringe top 10 pass rush. And their pass rush was just Watt and Clowney. That was the entirety of it. Merciless was hurt for a long portion of the season, too. And, like, that whole thing finally happened. They played off each other really well. They ran a lot of cool stunts. Um, Clowney Rushkin's left tackles primarily, so what he had matchups against guys like or guys like Chad Wheeler and uh, and a variety of other bad right tackles to pad his sack total, in, which allows him to do things like host Saturday Night Live. And while Clowney went against left tackles and a lot of rushing from the interior too. And so we waited four years for so that combination finally come to fruition. It did, and it lasted, you know, one whole season. That was kind of it. I think that was kind of one of the annoying things, one, I guess, more despairing things about Clown being traded. You expected that him and Watt were going to be great together for, you know, four or five or seven seasons. And it happened once over the course of the five years he was in Houston.
0: One of the things I'm really struggling with, and it sounded like you were prepared for the Texans to go ahead and make that deal because, you know, players like Clowney's caliber, they just don't seem. To hit free agency, you know, we saw with Khalil Mack, he gets traded for two first-round picks uh, from the uh, Oakland Raiders uh, to the Chicago Bears, and now Clowney is set to hit free agency after being traded. Not not quite the the trade package that a guy like Khalil Mack got, but you know it's it just it strikes me that there aren't guys that make free agency of his caliber. So are you? That's where I guess my hesitation is with Jadevian Clowney is that here he is, he's actually going to go into free agency, is he going to be worth that type of deal that he's probably going to get on the open market?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a really great point too. Cause like you did mention, most players don't even hit free agency at all whatsoever. uh, Unless there's salary cap circumstances that don't allow it for that to happen. But with Clannan, I think it's kind of a rare exception because the Texans didn't want to extend him; They want to pay him on the tag and how much of that has to do with the Texans weren't able to adequately measure his value they didn't want to pay for another defensive lineman after paying Watt as much as they do. Um, they were expecting to, have to you know, extend to Sean Watson. We're worried about a cap situation where they have you know, five guys that take up most of their cap space. I don't know, but with Clowney, they gave him the, the franchise tag. He was willing to play underneath the franchise tag. And he's going to hit free agency next year because the Texans traded him after the extension deadline. And so I think one of the big problems that Houston made, or one of the big mistakes they made last offseason with the Clowney. Um, With the Clowney saga was that they wait until after that deadline happened before they trade him. So that's why D Ford, you know, picked up, was worth the first round pick. And Frank Clark was with multiple draft picks and Perry Clowney because they were able to extend those guys on that same day and have them for four years. And so teams don't want to give up, you know, top draft capital for a guy who may be there for a season. They want to make sure they can have them around for three or four years and uh, negotiate the contract on their own end. And so that wasn't even available at all. Um, to Clowney whenever they did sign, whenever they, whenever they trade him when they did too. So I, I see where you're coming from, where there is it makes the team wear, it can make you wear as a Seahawks fan. But I think it was because he's a really kind of a special circumstance. And the only concern I would have, though, is just the injury thing. You know, Clowney's only missed seven regular season games the last four years. He missed, um, I believe, five in Seattle this year, had that core muscle injury. But it all kind of comes, stems back from whenever he had that microfracture surgery his rookie year, and there's been a lot of concerns that he won't be able to last long term. But I think he kind of, you know, ended all those injury questions, unless there's something that team doctors see that may be a big problem, you know, three years from now, or, you know, early as like this season or whatever, as he enters like his, his year 27 or his age 27 season. But that's all things that, you know, from our views and from where we're at, we have no idea at all what's, what's going on with his actual like medical history.
0: One of the reasons why I really like the trade going back is that now that team doctors have had a full year to evaluate him and kind of get an idea of how he might be going forward. So I I kind of fall into the camp that if the Seahawks do end up paying him a big time contract to keep him around long term, it's because now they have the information to be able to make that long term decision. Whereas if they would have made the deal with the Texans, you know, ahead of that uh, deadline to be able to sign franchise players long term, yeah, there would have been those types of questions. I think.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, going going back to that as well too. Like if if Seattle doesn't extend them long term, um, I really think that injuries would be the biggest thing to do with it because Seattle has a bad pass rush. They're going to lose Quinn Jefferson. They're going to lose Jerome Reed. Um, Ziggy Ansah was. One of like the company's first to watch last year. Oh <laughs> uh, like in that divisional in the wildcard round of the playoffs, I watched Josh McNown and uh, outrun him on his own read. Yeah. And like he just looked slow. He looked overweight. He, he he was awful last year. And so like if the Seahawks with the opportunity where they know clients is healthy long term and they can pay him, you know, twelve million dollars a year or whatever, uh, with the pass rush issues that they have, I think that would be something that you know, they would typically do, but if they don't extend them long-term, I think there would be actual like questions about legitimate questions about Clowney's ability to play into his you know early thirties.
0: So what went into that time where you know, you're getting toward the end of the franchise tag deadline to to be able to sign a player long-term for the Texans. And I know there was an issue of, you know, Bill O'Brien being the interim general manager. He's now been named the actual general manager was it kind of the the questions surrounding that position at the top as to whether or not they could actually get a deal done, or whether they just thought that they could kick the can down the road and have Clowney play under the franchise tag for a full season before they found out that he was unwilling to come in and and play under the franchise tag deal? I just. I, it's uh, from someone who was, uh, you know, outside of the area, you know, directly involved with watching that go down. What did you see? This uh, is was the big problem as to why this didn't work out between the Texans and Clowney.
1: Yeah, it was a really dumb timeline, and working with the limited information that we have, and a lot of things the Texans say, you know, isn't true. Like for example, after the Texans, um, you know, lost to the Chiefs, then walk around. He said, yeah, Romeo Cornell is going to be the defensive coordinator. Cornell steps down as defensive coordinator, you know, a few days afterwards or Bill Ryan says like, you know, I'm not the general manager, but he's been the general manager for you know, seven months. It's now officially general manager. So working off that, uh, working off those circumstances, I think the timeline that happened was that Brian game was the general manager of the team. I don't know why they did things the way they did, but it seemed, I don't know if the direction with him and Bill O'Brien was that we wouldn't build this roster long-term We don't want to go all in on the season. Uh, We need to think about building a complete roster on Deshaun Watson. I have no idea what their reasoning was, but even though Deshaun Watson was on rookie contract, as Seattle Seahawks fans know so well that the most valuable asset you can have as a professional football team is having a great quarterback on a rookie contract. And so even though Watson was entering the third year of his rookie contract, the Texans didn't go all in on free agency at all. They didn't spend very much money. Really, the only move they made was they brought in Tayshawn Gibson and then keep Tyra Matthew. And that was pretty much it. They didn't bring an interior rusher. They didn't sign the offensive lineman at all. They kind of kept the entire team and kind of missed and went through um, free agency without doing much. They did sign Bradley Roby as well, too. But really, it wasn't a whole lot of anything. And so that was really surprising because you can uh, structure contracts where you pay these guys a lot of money in two years. You can release them the third year, and then right around the time whenever you get to pay Watson you know, 25, $30 million a year or whatever. And they didn't do that. So then after the, after the draft happened, game was still there. They draft Tyus Howard, Max Sharping, Lonnie Johnson, and they'll the rest of the draft. And then a few weeks later, you know, Clowney still isn't signed. Um, the, the extension deadline passes and Clowney just says like, yeah, I'll play the franchise tag, but I'm not going to go to training camp. I'm not going to risk getting injured. I'll show up whenever the season starts. Whenever I'm ready, I'm working on my own end. And then, It sounded like Brian Gain wanted to keep Clowney from the reports that came out, but again, nobody really knows. I think the biggest thing that happened in Houston was that they fired Brian Gain. Bill O'Brien becomes the general manager, and they gave Matt Cleal, I think it was $7.5 million to start left tackle. And then training camp starts, it becomes really obvious that Matt Cleal can't play left tackle. He's awful. He hasn't been good in three years. He's always injured. And at that point, Bill O'Brien got really afraid. And so he started sniffing around for Clowney trades because that was really the only valuable asset that they had with his one-year contract, and you know paying him 13 million dollars, it was easy to trade him. And no team really wanted to t- trade big capital. No team wanted to trade an offensive tackle for him. Um, you know, it seemed like Trent Williams for Clowney was a trade that made sense, but Washington didn't even want to do something like that at all either. And then they were going to trade to Miami. Miami, he didn't want to play in Miami. Clowney wanted to go to a team that won. So they ended up trading him to Seattle and they traded two first round picks, a second round pick for Tensil, and release Khalil shortly afterwards. So it was uh, just like the entire time, like all these reports came out, I was like, this is stupid. They're going to keep him. You know, this is really dumb. They have to keep him. He's, you know, one of the best players in this team and he's about to be in the prime of his career. And throughout the entire time, like nothing substantial happened. Nothing happened that shut down any rumors at all whatsoever. And then, you know, right before the season started, I think it was the Saturday before the season started, they make the trade that trades clowny for, uh, third round pick for Kavis, mingo, Jacob Martin, and then making the trade of Julian Davenport, two first and a second for Laramie Tensel and then Kenny Stills. And that was again you know, like a Saturday afternoon right before the season started. So it was it was all very dumb. It was all you know very stupid. And I think it was just poor playing on the Texans part and they kind of like scrambled around after they had a, a bad offseason entirely It had to fix I to go back and refix the mistakes that they made, you know, in March and April and February.
0: Well, it does sound like you're a little bit bitter on it. And Matt, I want to come back after the break and talk about just how this trade has worked out so far for the Texans. I know Seahawks fans curious about how Jacob Martin did, how Marquevious Mingo did. And I want to get your thoughts on whether or not the Seahawks should pay to De'Veon Clowney. So let's talk about that after the break. Matt Weston of Battle Red Radio, the Houston Texans community on SB Nation, joining the Field Goals podcast. We're talking about Jadevian Clowney and whether or not the Seahawks are gonna want to pay him. I know just as a Seahawks fan, I wanted to pay Jadevian Clowney just because he was so dominant. You you mentioned he's not the he doesn't put up the prettiest box score, you know, only finishing with just above three sacks on the season. But gosh, Matt, I go back to that first game in Santa Clara against the San Francisco 49ers. And the guy was the best defensive player on the field for both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, I remember that game, too. I didn't actually go back and watch the video for like the behind view, because it was, you know, it was incredible how great was that game. Like he won that game kind of single handedly for uh, Seattle and way. It's of course, count for Russell Wilson and the magical things he does. But he was the best player on the field that game. And he does that sometimes like he did that for Houston whenever they beat whenever they almost beat the Eagles. Um, in 2017, where, you know, he sacks Nick Foles two and a half times. I think he had a touchdown recovery in the end zone. They took back for a touchdown and he has those games out of nowhere where he completely dominates and decimates an offense on his own. And like, again, like I mentioned earlier, you know, he had three sacks, 13 quarterback hits and four two pressures last year in 11 games. And in 2017 in Houston or 2018, in Houston, he had nine sacks, 21 quarterback hits, 34 and a half pressures. Like, these are fine pass rushing numbers. But they really don't account for um, just the general disruption that he puts up um, for a team as well, too. And so, yeah, like that was one of the rare instances where he had a game where like you can measure with the box score. But it was also one of those instances where like he would take on three blockers at once and knock a puller into the running back, too. And so he did a little bit of everything in that game. And then also like immediately after that for the Seahawks watching him, he had that second game in San Francisco where he was bad. And he had games immediately after that where he was bad, where I think that core muscle injury was a, a big problem for him too. So yeah. I don't know, it was it was weird how how it seemed like he turned a corner to that game, but then kind of fell back away. And then he had good games in the postseason after that. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really great performance from him in that first game in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, if not for sustaining that core muscle injury in the San Francisco game, gosh, I wonder how much different the end of his season looks, you know, if he just... If he was getting so comfortable in the Seahawks offense and he was just about to turn it on, turn the corner, like you said, t- toward the tail end of the season. But, you know, now that the Seahawks are in that opportunity to resign him long term, I guess I would be surprised if they get a deal done before free agency starts. He's go- it seems like he's going to want to hit the open market and see what he can get, try and drive the price up. It only makes sense. But considering that the Seahawks gave up draft picks, gave up a couple players to get him, do you think it'd be a mistake if the Seahawks end up not re signing him?
1: I, I think so only because of how bad their pass rush was last year and also just like their run defense, too. Like that, the game against Green Bay, I think it's a really good example of that, where Green Bay just kind of looked at where Clowney was and just ran opposite of him and ran outside mm. the tackles and were able to create big runs throughout the game. And they just, that's how they move the ball against Seattle in that game, uh, in, the, in the ground game too, especially. And like, I mean, Klein is a guy that, like you mentioned, he rarely hits free agency. You have a really great opportunity to, you know, get better immediately for him. And then there's just so many guys leaving and, you know, and Reed and Clinton Jefferson. Um, there really isn't that many valuable pass rushers on the team. The pass rush was bad last year for Seattle too. And there are like some interesting free agents, some guys that you would think Seattle will take a run out. Um, it's kind of fun watching Seattle over the years because it just seems like there are guys that are kind of like Seattle players. Also, they can make a big run at, Yannick know, if he does free, if free agency is just, um, you know, pure like nine rushing defensive end as well too. But, and maybe Eric Armstead as well would be a good fit for him. Uh, Jabal Shearer, I think would be a guy definitely that Seattle could pursue. But you know, if you're looking at Armster and Gakwe, you're having to pay these guys probably as much as you have to pay Clowney, but you don't get the run stopping production from them, and you also don't get a guy who can rush this on the interior and the exterior as well as he does. And Armstead's like a lesser version of Clowney. But are you going to say, you know, is it worth saving maybe a million half dollars for the difference between the two? And I really don't think so. At all.
0: I really do think that his effectiveness in the run game is really what's going to keep the Seahawks in this. Otherwise, like you said, they could go out. And they could get guys who are the pure pass rushers. But, you know, to have a guy that can do both is is really something special. And maybe if he doesn't put up the sack numbers, I I don't think the Seahawks are going to be too caught up in terms of the sack numbers. They're going to look at that pass rush productivity, his ability to beat the guys in front of him. And the next thing I'm curious about, Matt, is how guys like Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo performed for the Texans this past year.
1: Yeah. Mingo only played special teams and we really, we laughed a lot. It was a lot of, a lot of fun times whenever Mingo would like make a special teams tackle. And, uh, like, there's big play Barkevius Mingo. And he really didn't do anything at all the entire season. I think he had a sack in the Buffalo game because that's how bad their pass was shot in Houston, where you know, Mingo being used as a blitz as an inside linebacker was what they were coming up with the try create pressure on Josh Allen. He did block a punt though, Kansas city, that Brian yeah. Johnson Jr. scooped up and scored for. And you're like, well, I guess, you know, the Clown trade is kind of worth it if this guy makes <laughs> this play in this square game. And then of course the Chiefs scored 41 points unanswered. And the pass defense was really bad, you know, because of uh the fact that they only have one pass rusher in what you know. Jacob Martin's fine. He's interesting. I think if he gains some weight, he could be a guy like, you know, Elvis Doomerville or like Shaq Barrett. But I don't know if he'll ever be able to have that same sort of speed if he does gain you know, 20 pounds or whatever. I think he's going to be kind of a guy who just rushes on third downs and is a, a pass only or a pass rushing only specialist. And even then, it's a lot of... If you get your hands on him, you can do whatever you want with him. And his entire game is just ripping on the outside. And he, does, he doesn't really have an interior move or an inside move at all whatsoever. But he has some juice. like He's interesting. But like, if you love Jacob Martin that much, if you're a team, why don't you just trade a third round pick? for Jacob Martin, you know, <laughs> right. Well, if you scout that well, you don't trade Jadavian Clowney for Jacob Martin. And then the third round pick, they trade for Gary and Conley and Texans, you know, secondary, they dealt with injuries to, you know, Bradley Roby, Jonathan Joseph, to even, uh, Philip Gaines. That's how bad it got. They missed Philip Gaines at one point. And so they trade for Conley. And I think part of the reason why they did that was he's going to be underneath contract this season as well too. And Conley's fine. He's just not very good in coverage, What he's good at doing is playing the ball. So you'd see him consistently last year where he'd get beat on, you know, a double move down the sideline, or he'd get beat like on a on a drag route and the quarterback would throw the ball behind and he'd be able to chase back and play the ball. But as far as just playing like man on main coverage, he wasn't that great at it. I think a lot of what he did last year was uh was full scold. And I think over the course of you know two seasons he'll be targeted more and he'll give him a lot more catches next season as well too. But I mean overall at like the what they got from trading clowney wasn't worth the, it was a bad package, you know, and I was kind of annoyed listening to Seahawks fans on the internet being like, well, yeah, Martin can do this. And, uh, you know, maybe Mingo can do this Like, No, it's a bad trade. Get out of here. I don't want to listen to y'all at all. This sucks. This is stupid. There's nothing good about this trade at all. And I think Houston, uh, completely got the worst package available to him because of how long they waited to make the trade and how indecisive they were and, uh, and how long the process carried out.
0: Well, Matt, we knew it was a bad deal for the Texans at the time, but we had to try and find a way to at least make you feel better, and I, I, I guess that's the the best that we could do because, yeah, you know, Jacob Martin, he's, you know, he seems like the. I look at what the Seahawks did with Shaquem Griffin this year, and it's kind of a similar type of situation, you know, a, a speed guy on the outside, but if he does allow the offensive lineman or even a tight end to get his hands on him, you know, that can stop him in his tracks. So there is some upside there, but not a whole lot. And uh, yeah, yeah, we got over on you a little bit, but I also wonder because of the Laramie Tunsil trade, it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you is that maybe that trade doesn't happen. Or was it just by the fact that uh, that Clowney had no interest in going to Miami that they ended up having to, find a way to make that trade work because they're already dealing with Miami on on getting Tunsil to the Texans.
1: Yeah, it sounds like O'Brien really wanted Tunsil for whatever reason. And I think it's because they, they have to pay him a lot this year, they have to pay him a lot next year because they can give him his fifth-year option as a first-round right. pick, and then they have to give him, like, I mean, I guess Tunsil could ask for whatever he wants because of what Houston gave up to get him. Uh, Tunsil could ask for, like, $20 million a year as a left tackle. I think Houston would have to do it. Um, but yeah, they really want him for whatever reason, and Clowney had no desire to play in Miami. But maybe they trade Miami Clowney uh, in a first round pick; they can get Tunsil with that instead of having to give up multiple first round picks and second round picks to make that trade happen.
0: Well, Matt, uh, before we get on out of here, there is one Houston Texans free agent that I, I'm a little bit curious about. You know, I've I've looked down the list of of Houston free agents of players that Seattle might want, and the guy that jumps out to me. Is cornerback Bradley Roby. He, he signed a one year deal with the Texans after finishing his rookie contract with the Broncos. The Seahawks let their slot corner, Justin Coleman, go to the Detroit Lions last season and the defense suffered for it. So, what do you think of how Roby performed this past season?
1: Roby is good if you have a really good pass defense. So, if you have a great pass rush and you have other good corners around you, he's good in that environment. Like, he was pretty good, he was good in Denver in two thousand eighteen and two thousand seventeen, but he had you know, Talib, he had Chris Harris, he had Von Miller, he had Barrett, and then he mm-hmm. had Chubb around him. Like it was a, a really great pass defense they had in place. In Houston, like he was fine. What made him a lot what why people in Houston thinks he's a lot better than fine is because of the interceptions he had. He was able to sit on outbreaking routes and break on the ball. And he had that really big pick against New England. He had pick six against Tampa Bay too. And so, like he's he's good if you have a, a really good pass defense around him, but he's not somebody that you want to pay fourteen million dollars a year to, to be your number one cornerback and you know completely remove a, a wide receiver or remove a third of the field as well too. He's not that sort of guy, and also he's more of like a he's more of a man off man uh, coverage cornerback, not really that much of a press guy. And so if you're playing a lot of man, like there's worse guys that you can have do that, but I wouldn't pay Roby, you know. $40 million a year on average for, you know, four years, um, to do something like that though.
0: I am kind of curious to see what he'll get because he was on kind of a one year, $10 million prove it deal. It sounds like maybe you don't see him staying in Houston long-term.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if they gave him, you know, three years, 30 and gave him like 25 million guaranteed or something, that'd be a fine deal. But if you give him a a contract like Tremaine Johnson got, for example, two years ago with the Jets, I think you're going to be in a, you're you're gonna have a problem because again, he's not going to lock down one versus one uh, wide receivers. And I think one of the things that people are going to point to is the game he had against Tyreek Hill, where Hill had three catches on four targets, but Houston play a safety deep that shouted Hill the rest of the game to make sure Roby wouldn't get beat deep on anything. And it just let a Travis, Travis Kelsey having, you know, 10 catches on 13 targets for 130 plus yards and three touchdowns. So, Roby's fine. Like he's I mean, he's more than fine. He's a good player, but he's not like he's not a great player. He's not somebody that I think mean, Houston has to have. I think more important for Houston is fixing the pass rush and signing more guys like, you know, Artie Burns or whatever and trying to patch together their secondary from there and have really great safety play instead. I, I could see though Seattle, if I had picked one free agent for a Seattle sign, I would say Quentin Spain from Buffalo. They always <laughs> just kind of mash together an offensive line of spare pieces. And Spain's really big. He's really strong. He's a really good puller. Um, he's a good enough pass blocker, too. And he just seems like a typical Seattle offensive lineman.
0: I like that. I like that you're scouting offensive linemen for us in the offseason. And you know what, Matt? I hope that I get to talk to you again soon in this offseason, maybe when the Texans end up trading DeAndre Hopkins to uh, the Seahawks. That that would work out well for me.
1: Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Maybe we can <laughs> trade you, Deshaun Watson, too, and for two first-round picks, and then we can go back and sign Tom Brady, you know? Uh, maybe we can do that as well.
0: Maybe you yeah, could tell Deshaun us Watson that. would be a fine backup quarterback to Russell Wilson. I, I think that would be okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you could say something like, uh, you know, Eric Homer is actually pretty good. You know.
0: Well, Matt, really want to thank you for coming on. If people want to check out your show, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where do they go?
1: Um, you can follow me on Twitter at mbw987. For the podcast we do, it's Ball Red Radio, or you can just search for Houston Texans podcast. And we do typically do one Texans show a week and then one more NFL centric show. So, for example, this week we'll do a Texans awards show, but we'll also do a typical NFL quarterback carousel where we'll look at and say things like, you know, Tom Brady's going to go to Las Vegas or Philip Rivers is going to go to Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston's going to go to Indy. It's going to be a show like that, which will be fun to do.
0: Matt, once again, thanks for coming on and considering Brock Osweiler's from my hometown. I, I also appreciate you not holding that against me.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's fine.
0: Thanks to Matt Weston, that Battle Red Radio, for coming on the show and helping us break down what he saw from Jadevian Clowney in his years with the Texans, kind of get his perspective on the free agent situation for the Seahawks. If you're looking for more free agency talk, hop on over to fieldgoals.com. Alistair Corp has a look at tight end Tyler Eifert, as well as lineman Brandon Scherf, guys that the Seahawks could go after in free agency and also John Gilbert has a look at Rashad Penny and where he's at in his rehab from his ACL tear late in the season. Also, whether or not George Fant is going to stick around is a hot topic on the website. Go and check that out as well. Lots of news right there, fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, com slash podcasts. If you like what we do, if you want to help chip in on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash flock, F-L-O-C-K. Thanks to those of you who are sharing the show as well as leaving reviews on the show wherever you listen to the podcast. More shows coming up soon, leading into free agency, leading into the NFL Combine in just a couple weeks. Stay tuned. Go Hawks.